Well, tonight what I'm going to do is probably something a little different than what's happened uh, in the previous sessions, meaning tonight is going to be a little bit of a mixture of a message and a testimony. And it's going to be my testimony, my story, my family's testimony and story. Uh, we've been on an interesting journey over the last six months. As a matter of fact, tonight, what's, what's the date tonight? Like the 22nd or something, 22nd of January? This is actually the first time that I have preached a new sermon since July the 4th, tonight. You may be wondering, why, what did you do? I just, hold on, don't start judging me, just wait a second. Um, uh, I wanna tell you the story that we've been on. Uh, we have been on uh, quite the journey when it comes to my physical health as it relates to the mother of all COVID battles. Uh, it has affected me to where I had not been able to preach. Like I'm literally saying to you, this is the first new sermon that I've preached in six and a half months, and it's a privilege to do it here. And so what I want to do is I want to, if, if you allow me, um, because of, and you'll get some glimpse into this, I kind of have to stick to my notes d differently than I had before, just because of the way that COVID has kind of affected my body, specifically my mind. And uh, so I'll kind of be like sticking to these notes a little bit, and I'll try to get off and connect with y'all. But I want to tell you the story of the last six months, but I want to tell you how faithful God has been. I want to tell you how great God has been. I want to tell you that even though sometimes you can go through something that changes you, and have you ever noticed this? When something changes you, it's typically not a positive experience. More times than not, it's been this valley that you have, have, have had to have gone through. But also, when you go through trauma, so many times there's something that's birth out of the trauma, that's a life-changing experience. And I wouldn't have signed up for the last six months. I wouldn't have thought this was something that I would go through or I would necessarily battle, but it is something that happened. And so I want to share with you this journey that we've been on. And also I want to share with you what God has taught us and taught me specifically through this journey. My last sermon that I preached at my church was on July the 4th, 2021, literally last year, <laughs> such a crazy journey. And so uh, let me tell you how this kind of went down. I was preaching in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, as I was preaching in the Washington, D.C. area, I was doing this youth camp. And I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And I still love that generation. Uh, and so I still get invitations to go speak at youth camps and things like that. And, you know, if I can, I like to go. And so I was in the Washington, D.C. area. I just thought, who, who knows? I might be preaching to the next president of the United States. Who knows? Like, like who knows what God is going to do? And so, man, we had a great time. We Saw, we saw young men and women give their lives to Jesus, people baptized. It was a great time. And uh, as I was leaving, the pastor that I was there with had told me that there were a number of people who had tested for positive, uh, tested positive for COVID. And I mean, I was sad to hear it. We prayed for those people on the phone and we prayed that God would heal those that were afflicted. And then I jumped on a plane myself to go home to my family. And uh, when I landed back here in Las Vegas, I wasn't feeling fantastic, um, but sometimes when you've preached seven times in four days and you've been traveling and you've been in airports and you've kind of been going, eating camp food, which you need the Holy Spirit to get you through eating, <laughs> eating camp food. Anyway, you're, you're kind of going through this and you're running in and out of airports. You can be a little fatigued. You can be a little tired as you go through it. And so I came home and I preached on the 4th of July and I talked about freedom. Come on, somebody. I talked about going deeper with Jesus. <laughs> and, um, and I got done preaching and I was like, whew, I'm a little fatigued. Like I'm a, your boy's a little winded here. And uh, within two or three days, I started developing a fever. And my wife was saying, you may have gotten COVID. And I said, nope, we're not doing that. I'm not hearing that. La, la, la. We're, nobody got COVID up in here. And so, I, but I, what I didn't know is that within two or three days, I went from being a little sick to legitimately sick. I got the test. Um, I got my fever up around 102. And the test confirmed that Hurricane Rona had hit the shores of the poor household. And um, it went from being 102 to my fever spiking to 104, to 105, and it stayed there for 25 days. 
I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. It stayed there for 25 days. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a fever of 105. I don't recommend it. <laughs> you can laugh with me in this too. You're kind of like, can I laugh with this? The only way that we're going to get through this is you can laugh with me, not at me, right? And so I don't recommend living at 104 to 105 fever. When you're at 104 to 105, having a 102 degree fever doesn't even seem all that bad. And so as that fever began to get really high, I began obviously to pray. I began obviously to start to get into God's word because I knew I needed something outside of, my, outside of myself. I needed this thing to pass. And as I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker and nothing was working, y'all, I took everything you can imagine to take. I take all the things you're not supposed to take. I took all the things that you are supposed to take because I just wanted relief from what it was I was feeling. And as I was getting sicker and as I was battling through this, this, this fight with coronavirus, I felt within my spirit, God dropped two portions of scripture that stayed with me the entire time, meaning every time it got really bad and usually it gets really bad at night. I don't know what, have you ever just had a cold and something about the nighttime? It just, your cold goes to the next level. It like punches you in the face at night and you're like, why, why are you doing this to me? Like, why are you treating me like this? Like, like what is going on at night? And so as the nighttime would hit, the nights were just brutal. And to, honest, to be honest with you, some nights are still brutal for me. These, this, there's two portions of text that God kept taking me to, and he kept taking me to it. And I didn't have time to break it down. As a pastor, we like to study. We like to exegete scripture. We like to bring it and like put it in context so that we can preach it. And so, but I didn't have time to do any of that. I was just trying to get my fever down. I was just trying to recover from all this. I was coming in and out of lukewarm showers trying to get my fever down, and it would go down for 30 minutes, and then it would just spike back up, and every joint hurt, every muscle hurt, everything hurt all of the time, and my wife had to turn into a nurse, and then she's battling COVID, and she's having to take care of me and take care of herself, and I would just be like, God, can you help me? God, can you help me? And there were two portions of scripture that he would take me to, and they were in the Old Testament. I don't have time to read all of it today, but I want to focus on what I learned from one of those portions of text. So he gave me two Old Testament portions of scripture. Each portion of scripture had eight verses. And because if I preached both of these, we literally would be here for three hours tonight. And, but I wanna talk about one of them today. And, I, and as I began to study this, it began to change my perspective on how somebody can go deeper when what's going on around you is challenging. Because it feels like it's easy to go deep when things are good, but it's hard when things are challenging. That's when things get really difficult. And God kept taking me to two portions of scripture, but I want to talk to you about this one in Genesis 35, 12 through 19. Are you with me still? Somebody say, I'm with you. And it didn't make sense at first as I read this, but this is the portion of scripture that God took me to, Genesis 35, 12 through 19. It says this, and this is referring to Jacob, and God is having this conversation with Jacob in Genesis 35. It says, the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to you and to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with them. And Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with them, and he poured out a drink offering upon it, and he also poured oil on it. And Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel, verse 16. And then they moved on from Bethel, and while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. As she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. As she breathed her last for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Onai, but his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. That's a weird portion of scripture for God to give you. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to look it up later, Lord. I just, <laughs> I need to get through this season that I'm in. And I'm gonna come back to that scripture in just a moment. 
Um, because on the 20, probably about the 20, 20th or 21st day, sitting at 105 fever, the sickness kind of morphed. And it wasn't just me having a fever anymore. That's when the COVID pneumonia began to set in. And it felt like I had a dump truck sitting on my chest at all times. And so it, the breathing became difficult. Um, the fever is not letting up. And at this point in time, delirium began to set in. I mean, actual delirium began to set in. And I began to see things that I knew were not there. I began, just go with me, people. I began to hear things that I knew was not there. And um, I had this one specific moment where it's probably the worst that I got. And I am giving you permission right now to laugh with me because my son is beginning to laugh because he's, he knows what I'm about to tell you. And when I went through it, it wasn't that funny. But as we go through it now, it, it kind of is funny just a little bit. And uh, my, my fever is spiking. It's really high. And I tell my wife, I said, babe, you got to get me out of this house. You got to get me out of this room. Uh, I, just, I just was like, can you take me to 7-Eleven? I don't know why I wanted to go to 7-Eleven, but I wanted, I wanted, a, I wanted a Slurpee. I wanted, I wanted a Coke Slurpee from 7-Eleven because the Holy Spirit moves through Coke Slurpee sometimes. And so I'm like, just get me out of this house. I just, I want something cool. I, and it was, and so at this point in time, you know how hot it gets in this city in July? It's like 115. I have 105 fever. Lord, you're not healing me. Maybe a slurpee will do the job. And so we get in the car, we start driving. And as we're driving, I have this weird break from reality almost. And so it, it started as we were driving to the 7-Eleven, which is only two minutes from our house. And a car drove by me. And as the car drove by me, I looked to my right. And this little old, just a little old lady was driving by and her Cadillac or what. I don't know why I assume that old lady had to drive a Cadillac because my grandma did. So anyway, and so we're driving by and she just, have you ever just driven by somebody and glanced over just because you're driving by them? I thought she was going to shoot me. I did. I thought she had an Uzi in her car. I thought I was about to be a, like a scene out of Boys in the Hood. That's what I thought was going on. I was like, whoa! And I'm starting to freak out. And my wife was like, what is the matter with you? I'm like, what is the matter with you that you don't see that we are about to be under attack and I'm losing it? We pull into the 7-Eleven. Everybody that walks by my car, I was absolutely convinced was going to shoot us or was going to harm us. And I'm crying and I'm losing it and I can't think straight. And that's not all that funny, but it's about to get kind of funny right now. And so my wife comes back into the car and she's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm telling her, I feel like these people are going to attack me. I feel like these people are going to do something to me. And she's like praying for me and she's trying to calm me down. And I was like, let's just drive. And we start driving. And as we are driving, like a Ford F-150 drives by and I look in the back of the Ford F-150 and I see a sheep in the back of the truck and I'm losing it. I'm like, oh my gosh, babe, do you see a sheep in the back of the truck? And she looks and she goes, yeah, there, I, there's this. I was like, oh, the, you see a, sh oh, there's an actual sheep? <laughs> There's an actual sheep in the, I, I've lived in Vegas now six years. I've never seen a sheep to this day in the back of a truck. But as we're driving, I'm like, there's a sheep. There's no, no, there actually is a physical sheep in the back of the truck. And I was like, oh, thank God, because it was bad enough as it was. And so this, this crazy scenario is playing out because my fever's so high. I'm just going through this battle that night. It was about 4 a.m. I remember just trying to get to bed. It was 4 a.m. And I woke up at 4 a.m. to a fever of 105.7. And if I'm being honest, I thought, this is going to be it. This is going to be it for me. Uh, I jump up and I turn on the shower to like this lukewarm shower to try to cool myself down. I'm blacking out. My vision is blurry. Uh, nothing feels right. And the same voice that I heard kept taking me back to Genesis 35. 
into the scripture in 2 Kings. This might seem weird to you, but this is kind of how God was working in all of this. Told, felt like he told me to lay down on the tile in your bathroom. Here's the thing about that. It seemed like a weird thing to say, but because it's so hot here and we're always cranking the air conditioning, the tile was cool. And I laid down on the tile, as silly as it seems, that tile gave me a relief from my pain. And I laid there and I passed out on the floor. I fell asleep there for hours and hours and hours. And when I woke up, my fever was 102. And let me tell you something, y'all, that is worth praising God and doing some praise laps around your bathroom. 102 to 105 feels massively different and it felt completely glorious. And I felt that voice guiding me in this season that God was somehow with me and just that portion of it took up a full month of my life. And when the fever finally began to subside, I figured the worst was behind me, but I didn't realize that really it was the beginning of the real issues because the bilateral pneumonia was gonna kick in. I had low oxygen issues. Doctors feared I wouldn't survive unless I would have been put on a ventilator. It was super fun. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a crazy time. And that, that's a story for another moment. But I want to go back to this portion of scripture because this portion of scripture kind of got me through and I began to understand some things when I'm in the worst physical pain that I've ever been in in my life. You know when you feel like you want to go deeper, but it's sometimes it's really hard to go deeper when you're in pain. And sometimes it's not physical pain, sometimes it's an emotional pain. And sometimes it's not physical pain, sometimes it's a mental pain. It's hard to go deeper when you're in pain. It's hard to go to the places that you feel like God wants you to go when you're in this battle, when you're in this journey and you can't see how God is gonna work this thing out and you don't know how it's all gonna work itself together for good. You don't know how God's purpose is going to play out when you have doctors telling you that if you don't get on a ventilator, we fear like you may go home and just not wake up one morning. It's hard to see, God, how are you doing this? But as silly as it might seem, that voice that told me to lay down on the tile but brought me relief kept taking me back to these portions of scripture and he kept doing it over and over and over and over and over again. As I made a little bit of progress, I dug in to some of these verses and the thing that, that I don't wanna skip over in all this is I'm walking through this journey I told you my wife is also walking through this journey. She has COVID. She loses her voice. She can't speak right for months. She's having to homeschool these beautiful babies up here. She's having to run our church the best that she can do it. She's going, it's just this crazy season. How do you go deeper when you're in a crazy season? What can you learn when you're in this crazy season of physical pain? And here's the thing, when you're in physical pain for too long, it morphs into emotional pain because it just wears you down. It just wears you out and you get tired of being sick and you get tired of feeling that way. But sometimes what you feel isn't physical pain. You can get tired of being in the same routine, being in the same cycle. You can get tired of it and tired of it. And maybe it's not COVID or maybe it's not something physical. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's something in your spirit that you've been stuck in the cycle and you can't get out of it and it's becoming emotionally challenging for you. How do you go deeper? How do you get to learn what God wants you to learn when you're in this battle, when you're in this fight for your life, when you're in this fight for your spirit, when you're in this fight for your family, when you're in this fight for a relationship. How do you go deeper in that? How do you get to learn what God wants you to learn? And he kept taking me to Genesis 35. Let's go back into it in just a moment. And I wanna show you something that helped me and I believe that it can help you too. Because I think today, if maybe you're not going through something, maybe you're not going through a battle of some kind, there will come a day where you will. 
And I pray that maybe something in this helps you to remember something. There's a nugget in this. There's, there's a handle in all of this that you can grab a hold of. And maybe just maybe it might help you in your future. So when we go back to Genesis 35, we pick up on Jacob. And Jacob's life, honestly, has been marked by turmoil. If you've ever studied Jacob, he did not have some cookie cutter you know, prance around in the meadow with deer's life, you know? He really went through it. His life was full of adversity. But even though his life was marked by adversity, some adversity that was out of his control and some adversity that he brought upon himself, God keeps giving Jacob a promise. And this promise that God continues to give to Jacob, no matter whether he caused the adversity and the turmoil or not, stays with Jacob his entire life, that Jacob goes through pain and God keeps giving him a promise, that Jacob walks through turmoil and God continues to be with him. Jacob was named trickster by his parents. That's what Jacob means. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Thanks, dad. And he lived up to his name many times in his life. As a matter of fact, with the help of his mother, he, he manipulated his brother out of his birthright. Then he is later tricked himself by his mother's brother into marrying Leah when he thought he was marrying Rachel. If you want some detail on that story, go to Genesis 29 and check it out. So he ends up marrying somebody he doesn't love. He has six sons and one daughter with Leah. Well, obviously he loved her a little bit. <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> he works years and years and years. He finally marries Rachel. And now you got this sister-wife drama happening because he's not just married to one. He's also married to the other. And that's not something nobody should marry multiple of anybody. You don't want two husbands. You don't want two wives, right? So there's this drama that becomes attached to this. And as his life would go along, his daughter Dinah was violated and his sons execute some of the men who had done it. His life is kind of this hot mess. And even though his life is a mess, God is faithful to him. And God continues to keep Jacob focused on the promise that he has for his life. It seems like every time his life would get turned upside down, God would come back to him and go, let's put that aside and I want you to focus on my word for your family. I want you to focus on my word for your life. I want you to focus on not all these things and these things are hard and we're not downplaying them, but my promise is what's gonna help you get through this hard season that you are walking through. And that's what I felt like God kept doing with me that he kept taking me back to portions of scripture and these portions of scripture were always filled with these promises of God that he gave to other people and so I grabbed a hold of their promises and it helped me to grab a hold of mine. Sometimes when you're really low you have to borrow somebody else's faith when it don't feel like you can you have enough faith for yourself. Sometimes you have to borrow somebody else's story and say that's what God did for you. Maybe God you can do it for me and so we were in this moment where Jacob is going through it and his life is tumultuous and it's challenging and it's difficult. And I want to go back into this verse again one more time so that we get it. This is all this stuff has just happened. And God is telling Jacob one more time, the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. That's an interesting thing for God to tell him when he's, his life is so flipped upside down. God is saying, don't forget, I have a promise for you. Don't forget, I'm going to make a way for you. Don't forget, I haven't forgotten about you. Don't forget that just because you're in this valley in your life, it does not mean that I've abandoned you. It does not mean that my promises still are not valid for your life this is God reminding him again, I'm still with you. I'm still for you. The promise that I gave to your father, I give to you as well. It's not over, even though it may seem like everything around you is over. He says, the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. And then God went up in the place where he had talked with them. So Jacob marks this place in verse 14 and verse 15. But I want to go to verse 16, and I want this to sink in tonight, if you will. And then they moved on from Bethel. And while there was still some dif di distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth. 
and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair if you have another son. And as she breathed her last breath, for she was dying, she named him Benoni, but his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Let's unpack this a little bit, and this is what God showed me. And I think this applies whether or not you're walking through COVID that you just can't get, get out of your system or any challenges you may have in your life. It says that Rachel began to go into childbirth and she had great difficulty, which seems a little bit redundant because, from, I mean, I haven't had a kid, but my wife has had two of them. And it seemed like every time childbirth was filled with great difficulty. It seemed like it was a challenge because that's what comes with childbirth. Because, but this with Rachel was something more than the typical difficulty that comes with a woman giving birth. This had shifted. This had now become life-threatening. As a matter of fact, Scripture records that Rachel would, in fact, die after she gave birth. And so the last thing that she does is she gives birth to her son, and she wants to name her son Ben-Onai. Ben-Onai is a Hebrew name with a compound meaning, like many Jewish names were at the time. Ben means son. Onai means of my trouble or of my sorrow. So in this moment, she names her son Benoni, which is translated son of my trouble. As Rachel is taking her final breaths, she names her child out of the pain that she's experiencing. Her perspective, understandably, is that this experience is costing me my life and I'm gonna give this situation a permanent name. And so we see that as she's taking her last breath, she names her son out of her pain. She names her son out of the pain of her situation. She names her son based off of the pain that she was experiencing at this time. And as she breathes her last breath, Benjamin, or Ben-Onai, was breathing his first breath, which she wouldn't have known in this moment because, let me pause for a, mo for a moment and just talk about that. Sometimes when you're walking through pain, you can be very tempted to want to give a permanent title to a situation that is probably fluid. We can want to name what we're walking through based off the pain that we experience. And that, that name can stick. And that name can travel with us. And we can say that if one marriage didn't work out, you can say marriage doesn't work out. That if that one thing doesn't work out, we say, that thing doesn't work out. This thing didn't go the way I thought it would go. We can, based out of our pain, we can name things. And when we name them, we give them the intention for them to stick, to be a reminder. And it was in this moment that she wants to name her child out of the pain that she was walking through and out of the pain that she was experiencing. But what she did not know is this son who was go, would go on to be named Benjamin, which I'll get into just a minute, that he would actually not be a son of pain, that Benjamin would be the royal line in Israel. That out of him, there would be a change in Israel. The name Ben-Onai doesn't stick because he was named Benjamin because of his father. His father saw the situation. His father saw what was going on and determines that he will not be named son of my trouble, that his name would be Benjamin. This father, who had also just lost the love of his life, as I alluded to earlier, Rachel had always had his heart. It was the only woman that he ever really wanted to marry. So this would have been probably, out of all the pain that he experienced, this probably would have been the most painful moment of Jacob's life 
as well. And at the moment of his greatest loss, he decides that he is not going to name his son according to what he had just lost and was about to bury. And as a nation and as a world, over the last few years, we've had to bury a lot of things. We've had to bury a lot of plans. We've had to bury a lot of dreams. We've had to bury actual people that we've lost. We had plans and we ended up having to do a lot more funerals than we had plans. Most churches and ministry had to bury all of their plans for growth over the last two years. Everybody has. Everybody's had to put things on hold, to put the plans to progress the kingdom on hold because it's been this painful season. It was painful for me, but it was painful for them as well to watch them go through what they had to go through. It's been a painful season for everyone. Can you imagine how hard it would be that if your wife that you've loved, her last words was to name his son and what, what he decides to do was to re-record Rachel's last words because what Jacob decides to do in this moment is he resets his son's destiny by renaming him. And instead of naming him according to the pain of the situation, he names him according to the promise that God had made to him just a few moments earlier, where God said in verse 15, I am giving the land to you and to your descendants. We are not naming him according to the pain. And it's so hard because it's painful for everybody, but I am renaming him according to the promise that God has given my family. And he names his son Ben-Yamin or Benjamin, which does not mean son of sorrow. It means son of my right hand. In ancient Jewish culture, the right hand is the hand of blessing. A father would bless his children with a touch of his right hand. In essence, Benjamin's father didn't want the pain of the moment to define his son's life. So he decided to name his son so that his perspective on life would shift. I think this was probably, this hit Jacob in a different way because he was named Trickster by his parents. I think it hit him differently. I think he said, I'm not gonna name my son the way that I was named. I'm not gonna name my son based off of the pain that he was birthed into. I'm gonna name my son based on the promise of God. Here's the other thing you gotta factor in. If he would have let the name stick, son of my trouble or son of my sorrow, as Benjamin would have grown, I think that would have affected him. That the thing that he knew about his mom is that she was in so much pain that she named him son of my sorrow. I think that would have went with him in life. I think there would have been unwarranted and misplaced guilt, but there would have been guilt. Can you imagine the story being told over and over and over and over that it was because you were brought into this world that it cost your mom her life and it was such a painful experience that she named you son of my sorrow and son of trouble. I, I think that would have affected him and that it was just this perfect storm of Jacob being named trickster and she names him son of my sorrow and he's saying I don't want my son to be defined by the sorrow even though it's sorrowful and painful for all of us I don't want this sorrow to be the defining moment of my son's life and so I'm going to name him son of blessing because my God has blessed us my God has been faithful to us my God has made a way for us that I want him to know that he is more than the pain that was experienced in this moment, that he is a son of blessing, that a royal line is gonna come out of him, that God said that my descendants will be blessed and he is one of my descendants. I want him to know that he is my son and he is a blessed individual because he is my son. Despite the pain, he was saying, you're a child of blessing. You're a child of blessing. But the thing that God showed me doesn't stop there. I don't know if you caught this in the 19th verse. I don't know if it's possible for you to bring verse 19 back up. 
And I had never really seen this until recently, until I started studying this. But it talks about Rachel's death. I gotta get one of these. These are super cool. Sorry. <clears throat> so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. Here's the thing. Rachel was buried in Bethlehem. But here's the thing about Bethlehem. Bethlehem isn't most famous for who was buried there. Bethlehem is most famous for who was born there. Because out of Bethlehem, the world's greatest salvation was born. Micah said, out of Bethlehem, a ruler would be born whose kingdom would have no end. During this crazy moment, this crazy season that we have been in, and it was marked with some very low moments, I think God kept taking me back to Genesis 35 to remind me not to let the perspective of my present pain define me, but to remember the promise that God had given to my life and for my family's life because of what Jesus had done for me on the cross. That our pain cannot define us, that we have to shift our focus and our perspective, not on what pains us or by what we've lost, but rather by what God is birthing out of the pain. Bethlehem would become famous not for a place of loss, but for a place of life, that Jesus would be birthed out of Bethlehem, that the greatest person who ever lived would be birthed out of this place where Rachel died and was buried. And so God was showing me in this, not to focus on the pain, but focus on what God could be birthing out of the pain. Because sometimes when you go through things, it's hard to see what God is doing, but I don't know if you've ever walked through anything difficult or challenging in your life. There's always something that God births on the other side of a painful situation. That's why Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things God works together for good to those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I guess my question tonight is, can, as you're walking through things and as you're being challenged with things, will you rename and redefine your situation according to God's word? I'm not proposing it's easy. I'm not gonna be like, oh, You've had 105 fever for 25 days? Yes, God, I just love your promises. I'm not, I'm not saying that's, it's gonna be like super easy because in those moments I was like, Lord, you better do something. <laughs> you need to come through. You need to help because this is really hard. But my promise is there's something being birthed in you. There's something that's being started in you. Can you rename and redefine your situation according to God's word? And it also doesn't mean your pain subsides immediately. But if you can find the strength that the Holy Spirit provides to anchor your perspective to God's word and the promise that the cross provides us, which will help you to endure through the moments when it hurts the most. Can you anchor your perspective to the cross? Can you anchor your perspective to Jesus? Because... There's no promise that everything gets fixed right away, but there is a promise that God is saying, if you'll anchor your perspective to me, if you'll anchor your perspective to my word, I will be with you and help you to endure this, that which you are walking through. If you'll anchor your perspective to my promise, it will help you walk through when the moments hurt the most. So what does this look like in real life? How does this break down? I'll give you one quick example. How do you anchor your perspective? How do you anchor your perspective to God's promises and to God's ways? Okay, let's say that somebody has drastically hurt you. Somebody has deeply wounded you, offended you. God promises forgiveness is the solution to your pain. God promises that if you'll anchor your perspective to my word, that if you'll turn to my word and my promises, they're the thing that's gonna get you through and will warrant, I mean, excuse me, and will 
develop the greatest result in your life if you'll anchor to my perspective and my word. So God says, if somebody hurts you, God's promises is that forgiveness is the solution to your pain. It's in that moment where the choice of perspective will kick in. Will you walk the difficult journey of forgiveness or will you lash out and take revenge? What has your perspective? What are you anchored to? I'll tell you this, what God wants you to see is the power and the long-term benefit that he promises when we make choices that are directly influenced by having a word-based perspective versus a pain-based perspective. He wants you to see that his word will benefit you in the long run. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to forgive somebody who's hurt you, but God has a promise that's attached to forgiveness. And if you'll attach your perspective to the long-term benefits of believing in his word and his promises over your pain, you will reap the harvest of attaching your perspective to God's word and promises for your life. Versus looking at everything through pain. And so if I look at what this person has done to me through my pain, I will lash, I will branch out, I will take revenge. And how many of you know that's not God's way and it doesn't produce a great harvest in your life? When there's so much physical and emotional pain, sometimes God challenges us to not lose our perspective, to go deeper Will you connect to God's perspective and God's promises for your life? God's word for your life. What Jesus did on the cross is greater even than the promise that God gave to Jacob. The cross is an eternal blessing and promise. I promise we all have access to because of God's amazing grace and mercy. God showed Jacob that he can reshape the way you walk and reshape the way you live. And I believe that everybody in this room can do it too. I don't know what you're walking through today, but all I know is this, is if you're here today or you're watching online, it's not over. God is still working. God still wants to reinforce the promises that he has for your life. I don't know what God has spoken over you. I don't know what God has said to you about your life or your family. Only you know what those things are. But I do know this, if you will hold on to those promises, if you will hold on to it, even in the midst of the greatest trials and tribulations of your life, you will see how good our God really is. You will see how great and faithful God is. You will see how loved you are by our Savior. You will see that in the middle of it, God is constantly trying to tell you, I know it's hard right now, but I want you to focus on me because I love you and I want to heal you and I want to change you and I want to redefine the way you see things. I don't want this pain to define your life. I don't want this situation to define your life. I don't want this to take you off some cliff. I don't want you to do that. And so, so that you don't do that, I'm going to keep putting my promises in front of you so that you don't focus on this pain because if you keep focusing on this pain or the difficulties or the trials or the tribulations, those things may try to define you. And just like Jacob came in and said, I am not going to allow my son to be defined by their pain. Our father is doing the same thing for us. Jacob's father stepped in and said, nope, you will not be called by this moment. God, I believe, is saying the same thing to you tonight. I do not want this pain to redefine you. I want you to know you are still loved. You are still forgiven. You are still called. You're the head. You're not the tail. You are redeemed. You need to focus on my, on my promises. Would you close your eyes tonight? I just feel like it's been such a uh, it's been such a challenging season for everybody that I've seen more believers struggle to go deeper, struggle with their faith than I than I ever have before been pastors for over 20 years and I've never seen a moment a season like the one that we're in right now 
And I love that y'all called this conference deeper because I believe that's where God wants to take you, that God wants to take you deeper. But I think some of you, you have been defined a little bit by the moment today. Maybe you're watching online that this season has been defining you. Maybe you didn't even realize it, but as you, as you stop and take inventory of your life and you think of so much that has changed in our country and in our life and in our world, things just feel different and we can be defined by the fear. We can be defined by the insecurities. You can be defined by maybe you lost relationships in this season. I feel like everybody lost relationships. Maybe you lost a loved one, someone you cared about to COVID. I feel like everybody knows somebody that was affected by it. And if you're really being honest in your evaluation that this season is begun to define you a little bit that it's shaping your perspective and it's some like jadedness that's kind of setting in and it's hard and it's difficult and I think that God is saying to you today I don't want you to focus on that tonight I don't want you to focus on that tonight I want you to focus on who I've called you to be I want you to focus on my word you to focus on the things that I've been telling you your whole life. I want you to focus on the fact that I still have purpose and destiny lined out for you. And none of that's changed, even though so much has changed. That I'm still good. I still have plans for you. I still want to use you and I want to use your family I want to bless your kids I want to bless that business I want to help you get free I want to see you walk in freedom none of those things have changed and I really want I learned or I'm still learning that Jacob changed the name of Benjamin on the spot Maybe you need to redefine and change the name of your situation tonight based on God's word and God's promise for your life. So if you take a moment, if you just close your eyes, and I just want to, this is cool, just want to pray with you right where you are. Can I even do this? So can everybody stand to your feet? When you stand to your feet, would you close your eyes? right where you're at can we just take 20 seconds and just be still in the presence of God and I feel like that same voice that nudged me to lay on the cool tile to go to his word is nudging you to his word tonight too promise for your life too and here's what I want to pray for if you're here and you know there's something that needs renaming tonight something that has caused you sorrow but I think God wants to turn to blessing and you need prayer would you just raise your hand raise your hand and say pastor when y'all pray would you pray for me real quick just raise your hand and say I've got some things that need to be shaped. Yeah, thank you, 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 yeah. Yeah, all over, all over the room tonight. Can we do this if you're comfortable? If you're not, that's okay, not everybody has to do this. Can we raise our, just lift up our hands in the presence of God? Just hang here for just, just a minute as we go deeper and as we pray before we close. God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you tonight. There were so many hands that were raised to you. I don't know what the situation is, 
I don't know what they're walking through. I don't know what the battle is, Father, but you know. You know. And I pray tonight that you would begin to shift their perspective. That you would begin to see that even out of this pain, something powerful is being birthed. Something is coming out of what they walk through. Something new is coming alive. And so, Lord, I don't know what that is, but I believe that you do. And so, God, I pray for every hand that was up. God, I pray that you would speak into their situation and show them that you are not defining them or calling them by what they've walked through. You are not calling them by their pain. You are not calling them by the thing that's been killing them. But God, you are calling them still according to your word and according to your promises. God, that that has not changed and it won't change because you went to the cross and you paid for our sins. God, so that our relationship would forever be knit together. And so God, I pray tonight, God, that the perspective would shift back to you tonight would shift back to the cross tonight, would shift back to your promises tonight. God, that you are good and you are faithful and you are powerful and you're working life in the middle of what feels like death tonight, God, that you're bringing life into our situations. And God, and even if it isn't changing right away, God, that we know that if we keep our eyes upon you, you will continue to walk with us till we get to the other side of the thing that's been battling us. And so God, tonight I pray that you would work miracles. I pray tonight, God, that you would speak to people. God, I pray tonight that people's faith is being rebuilt right now. God, I pray tonight that people's perspective is being shifted right now. God, I pray tonight, God, that we're looking back to you again. We're looking to the cross again. We're looking to what you said about our family. We're looking to what you said about our health. We're looking to what you said about that business. God, we're, we're looking to you again tonight, even in the middle of loss even in the middle of one of the most trying seasons of our lifetime. But God, you're still good and you're still great and you're still calling and you're still birthing life and you're still challenging. God, and you're showing us today how good you really are, how great you really are. Father, we love you. Father, we love you.